welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. So we're going to do a quick little roundup of another, you know, part of this Caberfay saga. I think we're going to wind up revisiting it again. Um, I mean, we certainly are, <laughs> but we're going to talk about the things. I, I can feel uh, my knowledge about this tune from the research I have done leaving, and I just did some more stuff, found some new interesting things, so want to make sure to, like, actually record it, even though... Um, yeah, there's there's definitely more to more to do. So uh, I have a little bit of a co-host here today. He's not saying anything right now, but my son, who is just over a week old, Robin, is hanging out in the recording booth here, um, like pretending like I have a booth as opposed to just an office. Um, anyway, so I think you know what started this Caberfay uh, discussion, and to me, the tune's always Caberfay. I first encountered this tune as a Highland Pipe tune, so that's sort of going to be the default. Um, but what got me going on this thread was uh, The Black and the Gray from William Dixon. And talking with Jamie Campbell about that setting made me go back and revisit it. During the uh, LBPS competition, somebody competed with The Black and the Gray, but I think it was Rook's setting, and they just did a section of it. And I it was when I first heard like they were doing this grace note um, repetition in it that made it sound like a horse's hooves kind of clinking on some pebbles. And to me, kind of thinking about the black and the gray as a horse race tune and as like a descriptive piece helped me interpret it and perform it. And, uh, yeah, so let's start with that. This is William Dixon's setting. So William Dixon's manuscript comes from around 1733, probably uh, a lowland or a border pipe player, almost certainly. Uh, although there's definitely some people that argue he, uh, he was a Northumbrian small pipe player or just a fiddler or something along those lines, but uh, I'm, I, I'm in the border piping camp um, just because I guess Matt Seattle's a pretty persuasive writer in The Master Piper, and I haven't thought about it too much. <laughs> um, and so many of those tunes, I mean, they just fit so beautifully on border pipes and sound so good. Uh, anyway, this is The Black and the Gray from Lane Dixon. I'm playing it on my John Swain Lowland Pipes in A. Thank you. 
So I'm really pleased with that. Like as a descriptive piece, when I recorded that, I was thinking of the tune as a horse race tune. Um, black and the Gray, all the titles for it, Black and the Gray, Black and the All Black, um, John Patterson's Mare Goes Foremost, like all these things are about a horse race. So I was thinking about a horse race. Um, and the tune is about a horse race. Um, but a specific type of horse race, maybe. Uh, this title, Black and the Gray, Black and the All Black, is the most common, like associations with that title are more most common in the Scottish borders and, and English settings for the tune. Um, and it seems like, thanks to looking at um, Pete Stewart's kind of writing about the tune in uh, Welcome Home, My Dearie, um, there's a whole section in Welcome Home, My Dearie that's just about kind of marriage customs and piping or music. It's lovely. Uh, but this tune, uh, and this is sort of, this is also in uh, Matt Seattle's Master Piper. There's there's a bit of an article on it that I had a harder time kind of following a through line with. Um, but this tune seems to be part of a marriage custom of kind of racing, where all the, the cavaliers or all the men would race from the bride's home to the groom's home. Uh, on the wedding night and kind of whoever won the race would kind of have the honor of welcoming in the the new bride kind of thing um and so knowing like when i when i recorded that setting from dixon i was thinking of it like i was i was thinking about myself as the horse like I, the different parts i was imagining were the black and the gray like the different horses um and you can i don't know to me you can really make that high a kind of sound like a horse neighing and it just it felt really good that way now knowing that the race is not so much um I'm not thinking about it in terms of the motivations of the horse, but the motivations of the rider. Um, it makes me want to revisit it and see if I get some different interpretation out of it. So I guess what we should look at next, um, there's some other, one of the reasons that I, I say I'm going to revisit this tune is um, there's also a relationship, you know, the, the words to John Patterson's mayor or black and the gray. Um, I haven't found a complete set and there's all these like half threads where um Somebody clearly copied and pasted something in traditional tune archive. Um, and then, I, you know, in Pete's book, even he kind of lifts the quote from traditional tune archive or the Fiddler's Companion. And I'm I'm going to try to track down some of that stuff at some point. Um, but there's also, there's a relationship between um, the words to the black and the gray, where John Patterson's Mare Goes Foremost kind of shows up as the lyric, um, which is why we say those tunes are so related. But uh, they also talk about it being the Battle of Sheremore, um, being kind of, that same melody, which it certainly is. Uh, interestingly enough, in the Scots Musical Museum in 1771, though, um, they've got the Battle of Sheremore, but rather than having it, um, say, tune the black and the gray, it says tune Cameronian Rant, which is another Scottish thread of of this tune. And uh, so we'll check out Cameronian Rant. Cameronian Rant, honestly, seems to be one of the older settings. There's definitely um, Cameronian Rant sets that, that date back to the 1730s. And I think... The, the story of the Cameronian rant dates back to Covenanter days uh, in the 17th century. Whether the tune dates back that far or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm unsure whether to think of Battle of Shermore as part of Black and the Gray or part of the Cameronian rant thread of this tune. So anyway, we're going to just, we're going to, I'm saying that here because like I said, I keep forgetting things that I've done work on this podcast and I want to just get a record of it someplace so I can revisit this stuff later. Um, so let's keep on this thread of kind of England and Scottish borders and black and the gray. So if William Dixon comes from 1733, I think the next oldest setting I've got is uh, from 1751. And this one, honestly, I'm not 100% sure that 
this is the same melody. So I'm putting it here for y'all to listen to. Uh, this is from Jansen's, uh, Johnson's Choice Collection of Country Dances from 1751. It's just a little two-part cut time um, deal. And we'll see if we can recognize any of these Caberfe, Cameronian Rats, Rakish Patty, Black and the Gray, Black and the All Black um, melodies in here. Anyway, here's Black and the All Black from Johnson's Choice Collection of Country Dances, which is one of these London country dance books. significantly less confusion about it. Um, we've got a setting from around 1820, 18-teens, um, from Robert Topliff. This is a selection of melodies of the Tyne and the Weir. Uh, sorry if I got that wrong. So uh, Durham and Northumberland tunes is sort of the extended title of the, of the book. Uh, anyway, this is Black and the Grey, and sim very similar to Dixon's setting, uh, much less confusing than whether Johnson's the same or not. Anyway, here it is. I think that's my first top left tune. Definitely gonna, definitely gonna revisit that. Seems pretty good. Okay, so this is, so the next setting uh, comes from around 1829, maybe 1822. This is Davies Caledonian Repository. And the cool thing about Davies is this is really where my, think of this as a um, descriptive piece kicked in, uh, was looking at his setting. So Davies actually has it in his book twice. I'm going to play, um, just the version where he calls John Patterson's Marigos Foremost. And I got confused because in one setting of Davies where he's got this tune, he's got a bunch of little like commentary on what you're supposed to be imagining happening. Uh, the setting for John Patterson's Marigos Foremost just in the beginning has in the time of a horse gallop. So when I recorded this, I tried, I tried that. I tried setting it to a horse gallop, which is tricky. Um, but I watched the, and again, when I was recording these, I was thinking of it in terms of a horse race. And so I literally watched the Kentucky Derby finale and tried to match the tempo of that. Um, to tell you how long I was working on this, I was working on these. I was kind of finishing up what I thought this episode was going to be back during the Kentucky Derby time. Uh, anyway, so that's me trying to match the Derby pace. It's not easy in a horse gallop. Uh, it's sort of slower than I imagined. Um, anyway, so this is... John Patterson's Marigos Foremost from Davies Caledonian Repository, like I said, 1829, maybe. I kind of think it might be earlier than that, but that's what my notes say here, so we should trust my notes. Uh, anyway, here we go, Davies Caledonian Repository. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite settings for this piece. Um, definitely made some errors there. Gonna have to revisit it, but uh, in the nature and like, the desire just to get the thing done, uh, we're gonna call that good for now. Uh, I definitely, definitely want to keep going on that tune. Okay, so just kind of looking at the big descriptive piece setting that um, that Davies put together, it's really cool. It starts with John Patterson's Marigos foremost. Uh, it's called The Engagement Begins. I'm not quite sure if I might have clipped off um, something. It's the second page of his book, so um, it's like right away at the beginning. Anyway, the notes he has there are just spirited, uh, and then a couple parts in it says faster, and then it, the like story switches from... I mean, it's, it's a battle piece, so this is another battle piece. So we'll see a couple of these kind of battle pieces, sort of like the fox chase are... Um, I can't remember what the other battle is, but Oscar Malvina, you know, Nick Brown and I kind of talk about, I think on our episode, we talk about this and, uh, aired has it as like a big epic where you play all the, these different tunes together as a story. Um, so anyway, this one in Davies, it starts with John Patterson's Mare Goes Foremost, it switches to, uh, kind of talking about a Highland battle. Uh, and then the enemy, uh, flies and is pursued. I'm not playing these because it really, requires a note lower it requires like a heavy use of notes that are beneath my reach and uh i kind of do want to look at this in the future but um if anybody plays fiddle and listens to this podcast you might want to just look at it because uh it's pretty cool uh yeah enemy flies and is pursued um pursuit ended and then Pibrach of Victory. And then the next page, the story continues. The chief is killed, so there's a little slow air there. Uh, and then March from the Battlefield, which is Leslie's March, or Oscar Malvina's Highland Wedding. Uh, we did a whole episode on that, so that's part of it. And then Dirge uh, at the funeral to the chief, and that's end of the battle piece. So it's really quite an elaborate piece of music. And looking at it right now, I can't actually... Yeah, like I said, we'll we'll revisit this, um, but if you are curious, you should look at it, and uh, you'll probably have a blast playing through this. I can't tell how much of the, if it's really mostly John Patterson's Marigos foremost until Peabrock of Victory, or if there's another tune in there as well. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, interesting stuff. Uh, I think the next one is another, you know, Borders English setting. This is from John Rook's manuscript, 1840. Uh, again, lovely tune called The Black and the Gray. And yeah, let's let's give it a listen. I forgot that uh, I recorded that on the G-Pipe, so um, just a quick 
<laughs> catch up right i've got two chanters from john swain one is a lowland chanter in a and one is a what he calls a border piper in g the border piper or the border chanter rather that he makes is a little bit more continental in design and it's a lot easier to get up into the second octave john rook's manuscript uses it has a pretty darn wide range it goes all up to um if we're thinking in highland pipe fingering it goes up to high d if we're looking at it technically um the range is from uh, da, 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 da. I guess the range is from E up to high uh, G. So anyway, uh, it was just, it was, anyway, so it, it was fun to play on that G chanter, but definitely hitting that, um, what is it, the fourth note above the octave is kind of tricky on any chanter, um, but it's it's tricky on those uh, border pipes, but did all right. Uh, anyway, let's get back into the swing of it. So now, interestingly enough, the next setting for John Patterson's Mayor comes from Scotland. This is from William Gunn's Caledonian Repository. Um, so he has a tune called John Patterson's Mayor. It's a 6-8, and uh, there's a Gaelic name for it too, Leia Anne McFatherick. Not sure if that's, uh, I'm not sure if I got that right. But um, anyway, here is the 1848 setting from William Gunn's repository of uh, bagpipe tunes. I said um the this this whole thing <laughs> began from jamie campbell right from chatting with jamie campbell about playing through the dixon manuscript so it seems fitting to finish the john patterson's mayor section uh with a setting that jamie campbell sent me so uh he and i were talking about it uh and he just sent me an image of uh, donald mcleod's setting for this tune i'm not 100 percent sure what book this showed up in or how old it is um other than it's a donald mcleod tune i keep meaning i had thought about doing a donald mcleod episode years ago and i still might but like honestly he's such a famous highland piper that um there's better people than me to talk about him um but he's an interesting cat from the outer hebrides i think he's from lewis lewis and harris i'm not 100 percent. i don't quite remember where he was born i think lewis or harris um but military piper but just an you know amazing composer of tunes so this is his take on john patterson's mare we've talked about him a little bit before he is sort of where the battle of waterloo comes from like that tune the battle of waterloo obviously predates donald mcleod's setting um but he seems to be the one that came up with the title 
Battle of Waterloo as opposed to the ones that are slightly more favorable to Napoleon uh, when it's an Irish tune and kind of a fiddle tune. So I just think it's interesting that the Highland Pipe setting that uh, MacLeod set for it is uh, more celebrating Napoleon's defeat than Napoleon crossing the Rhine or the Alps or whatever. Uh, anyway, so here is John Patterson's Mare from Donald MacLeod. Thanks, Jamie Campbell, for the setting. You know, I've heard that tune before, um, but I always just took it as, oh, that's just Cabaret as a jig. I didn't even realize it was a separate tune. And honestly, with Donald McLeod setting, I feel like I hear a lot more Cabaret than I hear Black and the Gray or John Patterson's Marigos Foremost. And, uh, but yeah, either way, cool. I think that's it for Black and the Gray settings. Um, or, uh, or John Patterson's Mary Goes Foremost. There's certainly more. There are so many settings of this tune. And like I said, I kind of want to revisit it. I want to come back and look at um, the words and the Battle of Sheremore and uh, some of these other settings. But let's, we got some time here and I've got some stuff recorded. So I want to go to Ireland now. So it's sort of tricky to find, you know, the, the oldest settings for this tune in Ireland uh, definitely could be kind of its own episode as well. Uh, I, I guess in the interest of just finishing and, and getting this stuff recorded before my, my brain is wiped, um, I just looked at a couple settings. So the, the oldest setting I could come across quickly and easily was in Goodman's manuscript. And I'm kind of, because of the way that Irish music works, I'm no longer following it like tune name for tune name. So we're not going to explore all the settings for one tune name, right? Because Ireland tends to have a tradition that's more oral and less concerned about published accounts and written accounts. So that means with that oral tradition, sometimes there is some fluidity in, in naming conventions. Uh, I will say, so it's, I guess it's up to us to decide if this is a Caprafay tune, a Cameroni rat tune, a black and the gray or something else entirely. There is a setting in Canon Goodman's manuscript that, uh, 
people in traditional tune archive has said, well, this is Caberfay. Uh, Goodman just labeled it as real, um, but it does sound a good bit like Caberfay. So anyway, here is Canon Goodman's setting for, quote, real, and then we'll talk about some other settings after that. Yeah, there's at least two different settings that are pretty recognizable in the Goodman manuscript as being related to this kind of family of, of tunes. Uh, I'm only going to play that one real, and then I'm going to let the Goodman trio play the next one. So I noticed that in the second album of, you know, more tunes from the Goodman manuscript of Mick O'Brien and Emer and Aoife, uh, that there's the setting for the cup of tea, which very much uh, kind of stands out as a recognizable version of this tune. So uh, I asked Mick and he said, go for it. So uh, thank you to the Goodman Trio. And here is the Cup of Tea and the Carrie Lassie. This is the fourth track off of their second Goodman Manuscript album. Definitely an album worth picking up. Uh, anyway, I'll have a link to the bio. You can pick it up on Bandcamp if you want. Thank you. 
they're so good. <laughs> I just love those albums. I actually just finally bought the first album um, right before Robin was born. I uh, was I go to a, a classroom and uh, and write in a classroom where I can like kind of pipe music through the sound system there and have whiteboards to brainstorm on and things. And I needed some extra juice to to get me through writing the the final first draft of uh, my dissertation and. Uh, yeah, I bought the first album, and it's so good. Both albums, really worth listening to. Um, yeah, Imer Mayock, Aoife Nabrian, and Mick O'Brien. I think that's how you pronounce Aoife's last name, Nabrian. Uh, anyway, lovely stuff. Goodman Trio, well worth the listen. Uh, okay, let's look at, kind of jumping a little bit further into the future. You know, Goodman's manuscript is from the 1860s or so, um, you know, collecting Irish tunes in um, Munster for, you know, starting around the 1860s, maybe a little bit earlier than that, lasting for quite a while, um, but lovely collection of tunes. Uh, and the next big kind of collection that I'm going to look at here is O'Neill. And again, there is almost certainly dozens of setting for this tune in O'Neill and uh, O'Neill's various books. I'm going to play um, just one, I suppose, here. This is Sporting Pat. You can really hear the similarities uh, to these tunes. Uh, we'll just do a quick little ditty version of this on Whistle. So this is Sporting Pat from O'Neill. This is O'Neill's Irish Music from 1915. So yeah, in terms of the Irish settings for this tune, there's old ones, Sporting Pat, Cup of Tea. Um, really, if you just look through traditional tune archive, you'll see just a tons of different names for this tune. But I think the most, like the best known version is Rakish Patty, is how most uh, kind of pipers in the Irish tradition think of this melody. So uh, the oldest setting I could find, again, not doing a terribly deep dive, but just looking at traditional tune archive, is from O'Neill's uh, Dance Music of Ireland. So that's 1907. And it is a little bit more busy than the setting that's most commonly played today. Uh, but here is me playing kind of the notes more or less from Rakish Patty. Um, O'Neill's setting does drop down to a leading note at one point. There's a there's a leading C that I can't play on inland pipes um, or on whistle. But anyway, here is kind of as it's written in 1907 by Francis O'Neill. I don't have a great handle on 
the dates of the kind of wax cylinders, but um, in the Ward Irish Music Archive, they, they have a recording of Patsy Tui playing this tune, and it's pretty different and out there, um, so I guess we'll just include that here. Um, yeah, the, the Ward Irish Music Archives is a pretty great resource for wax cylinders and old recordings and that sort of thing, but uh, here is Patsy Tui playing Rakish Patty. Well, uh, can't really, <laughs> can't really compete with that. Uh, but yeah, you'll, 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 Rakish Patty, Rakish Patty is definitely a tune that's still played around in the wild quite a bit. Um, and actually it is the name of, uh, Tiernan's, what is it? I don't know what number album, I'm not, I, I think it's his most recent one, but he might have another album out since then. I need to check it out. But it's the last album of his I bought and it's lovely. Uh, he calls it Rakish Patty rather than Rakish Patty as a good old pun. Sort of funny to see people... Um, like telling him that the name that he got the name wrong that it's not regish patty it's rakish patty like no no my dude it's a pun because of regulators reg regish patty let's all explain the joke that makes it better um anyway uh i love love tiernan's piping and uh have that that kill is is peeb album was just such a huge part of my life uh still is but was definitely part of 
um, yeah, about 10 years ago. I feel like that thing just never left my car. It was always on. It, it was the soundtrack of many of my trips across country. And um, yeah, Regish Patty is another stellar album. And I asked Tiernan if I could play the track on here and he said, go for it. So we're going to go out with that. There's obviously a whole other thread we haven't pulled on yet, which is the Cameroonian rant one. Um, yeah, well, so there's more of this to come. Uh, I might be able to squeeze it in now, but I kind of don't think so. So we're just going to go out uh, with Tiernan in here. I regret not having more to say about the Irish settings. There's so many different titles for this tune. If you look at, if you're interested in this, it's really worth going to Traditional Tune Archive and kind of poking around because they have, people have done a lot of work kind of showing the different titles for it. But, you know, Cameronian Rant, um, the big one that we didn't do is Copperplate. Um, what I kind of love is the explanation for where the, the name Copperplate comes from is there's uh, an assumption that it's people mispronunciation of like Cabrefay. Like, what's that tune called? Oh, it's Cabrefay. What do you say? Copperplate. Oh, okay, Copperplate. Like, just kind of hearing how that thing works. Uh, Deer's Horns, the Castle Street Reel. Like, there's all these these different, different titles for it. And uh, yeah, I'll, I, I might revisit it the the Irish settings are always kind of hard to hard to figure out what to say about because it's it's clear that so many people have different um, you know just had had different names for the same tune but uh, anyway let's uh, let's call it let's call that let's call that good um, thanks everybody for listening thanks to my new co-host Robin uh, just a reminder my new album Bannocks of Barley Meal is out you can pick it up on Bandcamp haven't figured out how to do or haven't set up the physical CDs yet, but you can listen to it on Bandcamp or support me by, and Robin, support Robin by going and buying an album. That's how people sell albums, right? Is to say that their children are related to it somehow. Um, anyway, thanks to the Goodman Trio. Thanks to Tiernan for letting me play some tunes and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, and then we'll really go to the once every month, uh, schedule for a while. I just wanted to get the stuff recorded before it left my brain again. So if you want to support the podcast, like I said, pick up a copy of Bannocks of Barley Meal. You can go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash way where there's over a dozen bonus episodes up and ready for you to listen to. Um, and a whole bunch of other just stuff. I actually put out tune books for every episode. Uh, if there are sheet music that I'm using that are in the public domain, you can already go to the show notes and kind of see links to all those things. But uh, if you just want to see the book of the tunes that I'm working on, um, most of the episodes where it made sense this season, um, there's little books that, uh, that accompany it. So, and same thing with Bannocks of Barley Meal. Um, I put out a tune book to accompany that as well. So if you download Bannocks of Barley Meal on Bandcamp, uh, you'll get a PDF of all of the notes of the like, kind of public domain tunes, which is most of them. And, uh, yeah. Lots of, lots of cool stuff to check out. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you in a bit. Cheers. Want to say goodbye, Robin? On cue, man. On cue. He's a natural. All right, bye. Uh, anyway, here's Tiernan playing Rakish, or Regish Patty off of his new, or newer, newish album, <laughs> Regish Patty. <laughs>